As we were so helpfully reminded already, last week we talked about hope and confidence and the fact that we can have a sure confidence because of the victory that has already been won by King Jesus. Now today, as we look at this Psalm of David, we're going to hear from the lips of David, the Lord's anointed, and we are going to hear him talk about this security. But this time he's going to be using the image of a fortress, like a rock. And this image of security will continue through today's passage. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll start to look at the text. So please join me. Lord God, thank you so much that you are the rock of our salvation. Thank you that you are the fortress of salvation for your anointed one. Lord, please help us to feel safe with you, to feel secure when you are with us. And help us to dwell with you all the days of our lives and on into eternity. Amen. So fortress. What is a fortress? Well, one of the things that we've got that we know about is like a castle. A particularly cool castle that I was uh, looking at through the week is a place called Windsor Castle. And it's the longest serving living castle Uh, in the world. People still live in it right now and they've been doing so for almost a thousand years. See it's the longest occupied castle in Europe. It's been there for 980 something years. It's seen over a hundred wars in England. It's seen 57 monarchs. It's outlasted them all and it still stands there today as a safe refuge for all who enter into it. You see, Windsor Castle was so cool because it's got moats. Not just one, but three different moats. What on earth would you want a moat for? It's just a dwelling place for mosquitoes. But you see, they put moats around it to protect from people attacking. Not just to stop them physically coming, but to prevent them from tunnelling underneath. You see, when you've got a moat around you, you're keeping the baddies out. They can't get near you. And imagine having three of them, even more secure. You see, the castle, Windsor Castle, has trapdoors. It's got secret passageways. It's got all sorts of fun things that you just go, wow, how cool is that? But every detail of the castle is designed for security. It's designed to keep you safe. See, even the stairways go in an anti-clockwise direction so that the defenders, as they come down, can swing their sword arm, whereas the attackers have got it bumping up against the wall. You see, every detail in a fortress is there for security. It's there to keep you safe. It's there to make you feel secure. And it's no surprises that when David talks about God, he uses this image of a fortress. David talks about God as his fortress, the fortress of salvation for his anointed one. And he's talking about himself. And there's three things that I think a fortress really speaks to us, particularly as we look at Psalm 28. The first thing is that a fortress is a safe place. There's safety when you dwell inside a fortress. The second is it's a place of refuge. 
See, if you are worried and scared when there are attackers coming towards you, you can retreat inside the walls of the fortress and you can feel safe and secure. It is a place of refuge and protection. And you can retreat in there if you're in danger. So today as we look at David and his fortress, which is God, we see him talk about God as his fortress. We see him talk about God as his rock. And we see him talk about God as his safe place. So we saw that come through in Psalm 20 last week, didn't we? When it said, some trust in horses and some in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord. You see, God is the fortress. He's the safe place. So let's check it out from the text. Hey? Please come with me and read verse 1 and 2. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I'll be like those who go down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands towards your most holy place. Now the first thing we read there, it doesn't feel very secure, does it? It doesn't seem like David right now is feeling really safe. See, there's such a desperation that cries out in verses 1 and 2. It says it there, Do not turn a deaf ear toward me. For if you remain silent, I'll be like one that goes down to the pit. You see, the pit is a way they used to talk about the place of the dead. So what David here is saying, if you remain silent, I'm going to die. There's such a massive desperation that comes through. But the first thing he says, the first thing in the psalm, is to you, Lord, I call, you are my rock. You see, there's a safety, there's a security. Even though David is feeling distressed, even though he is at the point of death, God is his safe place. You see, the desperation we see in Psalm 28 is a little bit like when I go canyoning. I like to go and jump off cliffs, usually attached to a rope, and as we go along, there's lots of different hazards and dangers. I carry with myself a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's called a personal locator beacon, which is irrelevant, but it's basically a magic button that if I push that button, within 30 minutes, a helicopter and two blokes that know a lot more about the bush than I do will be there to save me. You see, David here, as he's crying out, as he's feeling desperation and close to death, is pushing that safety button. He's pushing the button. He's calling in the cavalry. He needs help. He is desperate. And thankfully for us, Psalm 28 doesn't finish in verse 2, does it? It goes on. And when we get to verse 6, we see the answer to this cry for help in verse 1 and 2. Have a look at verse 6 to 8. It says, Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and he helps me. My heart leaps for joy and with my song I praise him. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. 
You see, there was desperation. There was a cry for help. He was close to death. But God answered his prayer and saved him. You see, God is that fortress, the fortress of salvation for David, his anointed one. See, in verse 6 to 8, God is literally welcoming David in to the fortress of his salvation. Do you see what's happening there? David is in trouble. He's close to death. But God welcomes him into the fortress of his salvation. You notice the uh, protective language there in verse 7. See how it says, he's my shield. He is my strength. See, all this fortified language is painting a picture of a fully fortified fortress. God is David's fully fortified fortress. But it begs the question then, what is attacking David? What is he seeking refuge from? We didn't just jump over verse 3 to 5 for no reason. That's where the danger is. Let's have a look. Do not drag me away with the wicked for those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbours but harbour malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done. And bring back on them what they deserve. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done. He will tear them down and never build them up again. See, the first thing we see here in verse 3 is a request by David not to drag him away. But what's he being dragged away from? Well, the language pops out there. He's asking not to be dragged away from the fortress of salvation, God. Not to be taken away to the place of the dead. Not to be taken away with those who do evil. Those who on the outside appear pretty good, friendly, nice, might even say good day in the street. But in their heart, they harbour malice. But the kicker? What's the main gripe that David has with these people? It says it there in verse 5. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord. You see, the outward appearance might look okay. They might be cordial with their neighbours. But behind all of that is a disregard for the work of the Lord. A disregard for God's own handiwork. And to David, that is repulsive. It's the reason they get dragged away. And David is imploring God. He's saying, please, 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 don't drag me away with the wicked. Keep me in the fortress of salvation. Keep me close to you. The result for those who do evil, those who harbour malice in their hearts, those who have no regard for the Lord's anointed, no regard for his, uh, the work of God's hand. Well, verse 5, they're torn down, never to be built up again. Now, if we look at this image of fortress, we see God as this big, towering stronghold that lasts forever, a safe place for his anointed to dwell in. When the evil people are torn down, never to be built again, we get the image of a pile of rubble. You see, the comparison here is comparing a strong, fully fortified fortress to a pile of rocks, 
not unlike the rocker and the kids tour. Although we're mixing metaphors there, so we'll let that one go through to the keeper. You see, the pile of rubble and the fortress are completely opposite, aren't they? How much help would a pile of rubble be to you? Nothing. But a fortress, a safe haven to dwell in, that's what David is thanking God for. But you see, this prayer that David is praying, he's saying, you, God, are my fortress and my deliverer. You are the safe place that I can dwell. Thank you for bringing me into your safe fortress of salvation. But it's not just his prayer, is it? He's not the only anointed one that we see. Last week we talked about Jesus, the anointed king. And it's interesting that David's prayer here actually mirrors a prayer of Jesus. We see that in Mark. I'm just going to read a little section from that. And I want us to think about David's prayer and Jesus' prayer and how they're similar and how they might be a little bit different. So from Mark 14, 32 to 36, I'm going to read. That's Mark 14, verse 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here whilst I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him, and began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it is possible that the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. You see, David's, uh, not David, Jesus' prayer here in the Garden of Gethsemane is very similar to the prayer of Psalm 28. You see, in Mark 14, it says, My soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. In Psalm 28, David is saying, Answer my cry, or I will be like those who go down to the pit. Both Jesus and David, both the Lord's anointed, are crying out in desperate anguish, asking to help them at the point of death. You see, they both trust in God. In Mark it says, everything is possible for you. There's a trust and a dependence that Jesus has on his Father. And David in Psalm 28 says, Lord, you I call. You are my rock. There is a trust and a determination to lean on God for their help. And both of them, in Mark, Jesus says, take this cup from me. Find another way, please, Lord. And David says in Psalm 28, Hear my cry for mercy. You see, there is desperation. There is a cry for help. And both of them trust in the Lord. But you see, there's so many similarities between the two prayers. But the way both prayers are answered is a little bit different, isn't it? You see... We get to witness in Psalm 28 the answer to David's prayer in verses 6 to 9. But with King Jesus, 
the answer is a little different. We see God answer King David's prayer and he answers him saying that he's the rock, the fortress, the deliverer, and he pulls through for his anointed one. But how does God respond to King Jesus' uh, request for help in the Garden of Gethsemane? Well, let's look at what happens in the story. Jesus cries out for help and says, God, take this cup from me. The response? Silence. He's put on the cross and Jesus says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And there's silence from the sky. You see, Jesus breathes his last on the cross. And if the story finished there, we'd think that God has abandoned his anointed one. But the story doesn't finish there, does it? There's a few little words in that passage I read to you that actually change everything. You see, when Jesus cries to God, take this cup away from me, that's not where his request stops. He goes on to say, not what I will, but what you will. See, Jesus is saying, take the cup away from me. If there's any other way, I want that to happen. But not what I want, what you want, God. Translation, I'd prefer you to do something else, God, but I trust in you and I want to do things your way. Now, when we think about the way that God answers Jesus in that, in that and we look at Psalm 28, Jesus takes Psalm 28 just to that next level. Radically transforms what's going on. David is a man after God's heart. His prayer is answered. But when we think about Jesus in the context of Psalm 28, it just blows the lid off what's going on. Think about what's happening. To you, Lord, I call. You are my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me, for if you remain silent, I'll be like those who go down to the pit. But not what I will what you will do not drag me away with the wicked with those who do evil who speak cordially with their neighbours but harbour malice in their heart you know what God I am willing to be dragged off instead of the wicked not what I will what you will Jesus prayer is radically different what about verse 4 repay them for their deeds and repay their evil work Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back on them what they deserve. Jesus' prayer is, pay me for what they've done. The evil that they have done, let me deal with it. It's a radically different prayer, isn't it? And verse 5. Because they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. It says they have no regard for the deeds of the Lord but I'm willing to be torn down for them and because I know, God, that you will build me up again. You will exalt me to the highest place and give me the name above every name. See, David's prayer is a godly prayer, but Jesus takes it to the next level. See, the deeds of King Jesus radically transform what's happening in, verse, uh, in Psalm 28. 
The two kings cry out for help. But King Jesus cries, not my will, but yours, and goes to the cross to save his people. See, we are so thankful that Jesus died on that cross because of the deeds of King Jesus, the deeds of his hand. We can pray the prayer of verse 8 and 9 together. The Lord is the strength of his people, a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. You see, King Jesus is the strength of his people. King Jesus is our strength. And through his death and resurrection, he has become the fortress of our salvation. He is our safe place, the place where we can retreat to when we're feeling threatened, the place that can protect us from evil, the place that can deliver us to the Father's side for all eternity. You see, Jesus is the strength of his people. He's become our fortress of salvation because we are his people. We are his very inheritance. He is our good shepherd and he's the one who can carry us to the Father. See, Jesus is the fortress of our salvation. But the gates aren't closed. See, the drawbridge is down. Jesus is standing in the fortress, welcoming us in. He's a strong place, a safe place, a place of refuge and protection. Jesus is the fortress of our salvation and he's welcoming us in. Seek refuge in the safest place that you'll ever see. The safest place, which is King Jesus. After all, he is the king of the only castle that's ever worth going into. He's the king of the only castle that won't just last one millennia, but it will last for all eternity. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you that you are the rock of our salvation. Thank you that you are the fortress of salvation for your anointed one. Your anointed one, David and King Jesus. Lord, thank you that we can dwell with you forever in the safe place, the strength and our refuge, the fortress of our salvation, King Jesus. Amen.